0: You're listening to Talking to Teen, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Dr. Aviva Leggett, who is the elite admissions expert, and the founder of Ivy Insight, the gold standard in college admissions consulting for undergraduate elite college applicants. She's an in-demand leadership and college admissions speaker with a fresh perspective who's been hailed by the New York Times as a trustworthy expert on college admissions. She is also the author of the brand new book, Get Real and get in, how to get into the college of your dreams by being your authentic self. We're speaking with Dr. Leggett today about what happens behind the closed doors of the college admissions process and how actually a lot of the things that parents often push their kids to do to make them better applicants to college might actually be hurting your kids' chances of getting in. There are things that your teenager can do to make themselves stand out, to make themselves a better candidate for college, but it's not the typical things that parents think about. In today's interview, we're gonna talk about what those things are and specifically what parents can do to encourage teenagers to get involved in the right types of activities. We're also gonna talk about how the admissions process has changed and what that means for parents today. Really looking forward to talking about all that and more. Dr. Leggett, thank you so much for making the time to be here today. So the book is called Get real and get in. How to get into the college of your dreams by being your authentic self. And I, I'm curious about this uh, because it seems to me like some of these things are contradictory. Isn't getting into the college of your dreams about uh, checking boxes and making yourself into the person that they want you to be. Um, you say that you can get into the college of your dreams by being your authentic self. How is that possible? Can these things coexist, authenticity and being real and also getting accepted? And what does that look like?
1: Great. Well, I'm happy to jump right in. Um, So, you know, this book was born out of a, a lot of different things, right? So first was my own experience as a high school student applying and the stress that it, it took, right? And I have to say at that time, I did try to put myself into a box in a way I was trying to figure out like, okay, what exact score do I need? Um, what extracurriculars do I need to get in? And I think that's so often how um, kids and parents approach this process is like, okay, like, what boxes do I need to check? To make sure that I am competitive enough, that I'm ready, that I feel like I can make a good um, good impression when I go to apply, the reality is though, even though that was going through my mind at the time of the application itself, the push that I gave myself to apply at that time would actually help me become a better person and a leader, so basically. Before I, I went into the professional world of admissions, where I worked at um, the Wharton School to um, help students uh, get evaluated, selected for freshman transfer and pre-college, before I built up all these degrees and credentials in higher ed, I was you know just a kid so you know, through the, the process of, I, I had to do a lot of research myself. So that was really valuable to think about, okay, well, what environment do I want to be in? What kind of people do I want to surround myself with? What do I want to study? All of these questions, they may sound basic and box checky, but they actually require a lot of thought. And so even though in some ways, I think that we do check these boxes and we do try, These questions are actually really important and if people take this process seriously and don't just box themselves into their goals, then they can actually get a lot from this process and ultimately from their lives. In this book I interview uh, leaders as well about their high school to college experience. And some cases, their college experience came out as well. So um, what was interesting to me was to think about, you know, this is kind of a critical juncture in people's lives where they're making these really important life choices and they're very young. And I think everybody has some kind of story behind that. Some of the stories are more, let's say, rich with detail than others. Some people might just say, well, I applied to my local community college because it was what I could afford. And then I transferred. But if you dig underneath, there's probably more to that decision than just, hey, I went with the the easiest option for me to get into or um, the most affordable one. There were a lot of other considerations that went into it. So by interviewing these different leaders, I was able to uncover some details about how they approach their process. And I picked people who I thought you know, these people are role models in some way or, or to some people. And um, if you can see some of yourself in them, some of their anxieties, some of their challenges and what you're going through, then perhaps those you know anxieties and challenges, A, won't seem so overwhelming. And B, you can know that even if you have these anxieties and challenges at a young age, that you do have a great potential for your future, however you decide to approach this. So when I wrote this book, I wanted to really on. Un- underscore that figuring out who you are and what you want is the journey to college that you want to take. And it's ultimately the journey that's going to help you be the most competitive applicant possible and the most successful person.
0: What is the impressiveness paradox and why do you start out your book talking about it?
1: So the impressiveness paradox is essentially, you know, as we were talking about with the box checking, if you're just sort of trying to, let's say, add on different community service hours for the sake of adding them on or saying like, oh, I want to be president of a club because this looks good for college. You're trying to make an impression about yourself and that impression if there's nothing behind it, is not going to actually help you. Because if you're the president of a club, but you're basically going through the motions of being the leader, and you're just saying, I want the role, then you're not really actually going to make a good impression versus somebody who maybe didn't do a school club, but they wrote a book or they decided to start an organization and bring in other uh, collaborating schools to do that. People who do things that are a little bit more out of the box actually can be more competitive than people who simply go in with the things that they think colleges want to see. And oftentimes those are president of a school club, community service hours, Mm. you know, uh, the national honor society, blah, blah, blah. But those, those things are really boring to read about (laughs) when you're on the event. And not to put down the, the involvement of Model United Nations, but I I feel like it was like 90% of the applicants were involved in MUN. And it's like, I'm happy for you if you love your MUN club and you're getting a lot out of it, but like, don't just do MUN because you think that's what you should do, right? Or don't just do student council because you think that demonstrates your leadership as a student. You know, there's student councils at every school. And of course, a lot of college applicants are involved in the student council, president of student council, representative of student council. So, again, not to discourage anybody from doing that if they really want to, but just to say that like, there's other things you can do and don't feel like you have to make this impression where you have to box yourself into this club because this is this is a club that you know on paper demonstrates leadership this actually makes you pretty boring in a lot of cases but
0: isn't that what you're supposed to do is figure out what they want and then do that
1: absolutely i mean if you want to be in student council again i'm not here to discourage you but a lot of times when people do do an activity like student council Or model united nations they're not necessarily doing it at a very involved level they maybe they go to some meetings they show up to the meeting right you're
0: kind of going through the motions exactly like because you're trying to get it on your resume and you're not like exactly there's nothing
1: there's no passion behind it right so there's no there Mm -hmm. there was no motivation other than like oh i should do this for college so
0: but so how how does that come across on the application because doesn't it still look the same, whether you're passionate about it or not? It just says did student counseling.
1: Well, the reality is that the way you demonstrate yourself is a little bit different than how you experience things, right? So you might have an amazing, passionate experience in student council, but if you don't explain that, then it's not going to be very impressive. However, I'd say beyond your own self-representation, there are also um, you know, recommenders who can vouch for you and endorse certain things that you've done, and that's a way to highlight some of the passion you've had but let's say if I'm in my I'm going to student council meetings weekly and I'm showing up i'm I'm doing the thing but then nobody in my circle my recommenders think to talk about that I don't write about that in my essay and I say that's my most most important thing then what 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 was I really getting out of that really so um it is hard I think it's a very hard thing for kids to demonstrate to to have that self-representation be really really strong but the reality is if they have a lot of experiences to draw from it's simply the natural progression of what they've done versus having to make up a narrative that's not necessarily true that's a little bit not a misrepresentation necessarily but not exactly an accurate portrayal of what is going on.
0: have a chapter in here about breaking the family mold and getting kids thinking about what the expected path is and whether that aligns with what they feel like they want to do. I wonder what advice you would have for parents about those expectations and how we're sort of um, putting those expectations on to our kids and what we could do to To help them, you know, to to see past that and to really um, get in touch with uh, what they want, you know, beyond those Mm -hmm. expectations.
1: Well, I'll say I'm a parent and as a parent, it's really hard to do this because parents (laughs) have certain things like, you know, when you have a kid, you kind of you might expect to do certain things with them. Like, I'm going to go like I'm going to throw a ball with my kid or. Um, we're gonna, you know, my case, I love the theater. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be on stage with my son. But now that I'm seeing my son grow, I don't think he's going to have an interest in some of the things that I want him to have an interest in. But that doesn't mean that, you know, he shouldn't follow his interests and I have to step back a little bit. So I think what happens a lot with parents is like we have these hopes and expectations for our kids that they'll do something or be a certain way, but then they show up and they are who they are. And so respecting who the child is and that it may be different from what you necessarily want or we're hoping for and accepting that, like that's such a hard thing, but that's, I would say that's the number one thing parents can do is A, try not to have expectations which is really hard. Um, but B, if those expectations that you will inevitably have are disappointed or not met in some way, then you have to move on and you have to move forward and, and nurture the strengths and experiences that they are interested in. And that will help them to develop better self, self-esteem. self That will help them to develop a good sense of their goals and to feel safe in doing so. You know, I think also another challenge that parents have that I would caution people against is there a lot of people I work with are very successful. And so they think they have great career advice for their children. And they end up sort of directing them to things that they know will be in demand. Like I, I talked with a family recently, and, and they said, Oh, we as a family decided that our son is going to do machine learning because that's a really in demand field. And like, you could see the kid was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what we decided. I mean, he was being a good soldier about it, but you know, you could see he clearly had some other sparks and passions that were not quite oh. captured in the, in the goals. Yeah. So I would encourage, um, you know, that the, I would encourage families with their children to develop a mutually beneficial collaboration process. Cause I'm, I think parents definitely need to be involved, need to nurture and support their children in getting new opportunities. But that doesn't mean that parents should be driving what those opportunities should be or what the goal should be. So I'd say child should, ha- should develop the goal with parent support and facilitation and then nurture those experiences along the way.
0: So how do you walk that line you think?
1: Tell, I wish I had the magic solution. I think it, it's very individualized. Of course, there's a lot of cultural elements to this. There's, um, you know, family dynamics, history, um, you know, limitations or lack or or lack of limitations of the child or of the parent. So there's so many factors to this. But I think even just to keep in mind that your kid may have a different goal from you and to really try to listen and find out what that is um, is helpful. A lot of places I see parents um, have difficulty as well is they fail to see their child's challenges and flaws. So they may nurture things that are not not to say not a fit per se, but maybe the child isn't really diving into things that they say they're interested in. So I spoke with a family about that said, the child said, oh, I'm interested in computer science. But then when you ask them, what have you done? It's like, there's a blank, right? Like I play video games, you know? Mm. And then it's like, well, what does that mean? Right? If they say they're interested in computer science, how I help them to get that experience that really enables them to say that not just as a as a pipe dream, but as a real goal. And then if they can't pursue that goal in some way, then what might be another challenge? So a lot of kids have like learning differences. A lot of kids have psychological challenges. I don't have to tell you, there's a lot of studies out there about how kids are really lonely these days. They feel disconnected and especially in COVID, it's been really challenging. So I think that, you know, not shying away from like, what are those challenges and how can I help you to overcome them? that's great and sometimes it's not you as the parent sometimes it's like getting professional help or getting you know support from other places so i think leaning into your child's challenges as well as their strengths is, will go a long way
0: i like this tip that you have in here which is you recommend making a list of interests and special talents and then circle the one that's most exciting to you. And then you say, if you were to go all in on the activity that you circled, what would that look like for you?
1: Yeah. And we did this with my, one of the stories in there I have is about my student, Mike, who wrote a book. So essentially he came to us and he said, well, I love skateboarding. I love playing in a band. I love writing. And I have some poems on my website. And I was like, well, what do you think about writing a book? And he was like, sure, that sounds great. He just loved to write. And so, you know, book is a really great way to demonstrate that your interest in a, a really unique and impactful mm-hmm. way. So he did that. He figured out how to self-publish on Amazon. And um, it was a really exciting thing. And and then he was able to share that when he applied, you know, I published this book, and it was sort of a fictionalized um, memoir of his of his life and his challenges. And it was really meaningful. And he also created a little peer group out of it. So he created a group of peers where they would help him review his chapters. So he was kind of accountable to to somebody. So it was just one of these things where, you know, sometimes you see a passion or spark in somebody and you just kind of nurture that, then they'll they'll soar. Um, And then people for themselves, like, what do you like to do most? Like, so do you like to write? Do you like to skateboard? Do you like to play music? It's like, which of those three do you like the best? Right. And then, so what is the next logical step after that? So you don't necessarily have to go from like, blank page to book if you've never written anything right but if you go from like if you want to write and you've never written something for yourself or it's like go to blank page to a poem or blank page to a short story like then that's a good step forward and then you can check in with yourself and and see if you like that and then take that a little bit more deep going forward or go to another direction if it if it doesn't seem like the right thing
0: because then um is that, that was worrisome as a teenager, like going all in on one thing, but I like lots of things and I like, i want to keep my options open. Um, so, uh, whoa, I don't know about all this circle one and go all in thing. Um, there's, I, I don't know, that feels like a uh, limiting or something. Um, how do we, uh, how do we kind of, um, help them, find something or choose something to really go deep on
1: yeah it's a great question again I think it's just getting curious about something that you already know a lot about or something you don't know a lot about but you you want to learn more and then evaluating as you go so you don't have to you know leave behind everything else for something but if you don't if you don't if you just put your toe in all the waters and you don't jump into the deep end then you're never really going to know what you want to
0: do It's funny like how unique that is, I guess, um, and how it's not something that anybody would think is like the standard boxes that you check to get into college. Oh, yeah, I write a book. But it, you can see how that would really make an application stand out when he has something like that. And um, I think that's just a perfect example of, uh, of what you're advocating for and talking about in this book. But what if you would have chosen skateboarding? How are you going to impress a college with skateboarding?
1: Yeah, or, uh, well, I think that's a I think that's a good rhetorical question. But I think like I would rephrase that as like, why do I want to go deeper into skateboarding? Why does that excite me? And then that's sort of the, the data you use to figure out what to do next with skateboarding Um, because like how does skateboarding help me get into college is like who knows right um it's really all (laughs) about the depth so what i like to call it and uh i didn't i came up with this after i wrote the book but i'll i'll share with you now it's called the x factor, college admissions x factor so it's experience expertise and exponentialism so like with skateboarding you got the experience you like to be on the board expertise is like you're really practicing a lot and you're starting to join some skateboarding organizations. Exponentialism is like you're hosting a skateboarding event at your school, you're raising money for charity, um, and you're connecting with skateboarders from around the world on your online skateboarding club website, right? So exponentialism really refers to that impact that you make beyond your own knowledge and experience.
0: Wow, that's cool. I like that. The X factor. So even if you if you you had a kid who said they circled skateboarding, they wrote down all their things and circled skateboarding, you wouldn't as a parent, you don't think that's just a bad idea. We gotta uh, I mean writing a book that sounds that's, that's I guess yeah, it, yeah that's good, I guess but, like you
1: know. I mean, I guess it depends on the kid, right So if you know your kid says they're okay. skateboarding, but really they're you know vaping and skateboarding or (laughs) you know whatever then you know that's Uh, different or if they're like what do you want to do play video games hang out with your friends or you know watch tv so you know you you know obviously hang out with friends right well so then if that's the case then it's again like I have a kid, for example, who did Teen Talk Hotline. And so Teen Talk Hotline essentially helps kids in crisis. And so if you really like talking to people and being a friend, that's a way that you can make an impact with that skill, right? Mm. So it's not like that's necessarily a non-starter. It's just how do you use that information to redirect them to something that will also help them build their future.
0: Mm. I love that X factor because it's really like, it's about the activity, but then it's also about making it bigger than just the activity or it's about, it's more than just you. Um, it's getting other people involved and how you can um, use that activity as a vehicle to connect with other people in your community and beyond and to do something positive. Mm-hmm. We're here with Dr. Aviva Leggett talking about how a lot of the activities that parents pressure teenagers to do to get into college are actually hurting and some simple things that teens can do instead to make themselves stand out. Here's what's coming up in the second half of the show.
1: When somebody knew an applicant, even if they were not ultimately admitted, it's not like, oh, you know somebody you're in. There was more of a discussion about this person and like more thought behind, mm. hey, should we admit this person or not? If you don't get into your top choice college, you don't get that job you wanted, you don't get the position on the corporate organization you were wanting. doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that. It might mean you have to approach it differently or it might mean you do something else. With the advent of technology to do pretty much everything, kids are applying to more colleges. So back when they applied, they may have filled out a paper application and just sent it. And, you know, paper applications take more time. And also, you know, you have to print things out, file them, mail them. That that really cut down the number of schools people apply to. When people just have to pay whatever the application fee is, and not to say everybody can pay for it that easily. But if it's like, oh, $75, I'll just send mm-hmm. all my stuff here then they just do it. So one of the challenges and one of the reasons why colleges have become more competitive is people are just simply applying to more colleges. So you're competing against more applicants.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.